Welcome to Ask the Preacher with Pastor Wayne Freed. I was out of jail on bond, facing over 100 years in prison, reaching for a gun to blow my brains out when God stopped me with a vision. I know what it is to be down and out. I know what it is to be up, and up is better. I told the Lord I was going to find out if the Bible was really true, and let me tell you, friend, that it is. The Bible is really true. Ask the Preacher, designed so that you can have your questions answered according to what the Bible says. Well, hello, this is Wayne Freed standing in for my son, Jonathan Freed. And um, I was I was with you last, was it last week? My goodness, two weeks ago. Uh, I want to talk to you today about God's purpose for your life. There's a scripture in Proverbs 29, 18 that says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Other translations say, cast off restraint. Um, there's no discipline. One translation even says they run naked in the streets. Uh, that's extreme, I suppose, of not having a purpose in life. When, when there's no purpose, I mean, I lived that way for a long time, and I got on drugs and alcohol and began to feed the flesh and do what felt good for me. I didn't have any reason not to. After I got saved and had purpose, everything changed. I began to lift weights almost immediately, uh, like the next day. So I just, it was amazing. Uh, it just was amazing at the change in my life and the way I viewed things. I remember looking in the mirror in, in, in the early stages of my Christian walk and saying, Lord, I love me, I love me. And that may not sound like uh, a very good thing to you, but I want you to know that I was saying that because I, I, I hated myself before that. I put a gun just over my belt and let the breath out of my lungs and cocked a hammer back and was about to pull the trigger when my brother came in and, and stopped me. Anyway, uh, let me get to what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about God's will for you. That vision is to be an adult son, to be like Jesus. He wants us to be like he was. He was the firstborn among many brethren. Um, Romans eight twenty nine, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. He wants us to be like Jesus. He was the firstborn among many brethren. You could say he's our elder brother. Now, Jesus is God. I'm not diminishing that in any way. But Jesus said in uh, John 10, 34 and 35, you're God's unto whomsoever the word of God has come, and the scripture cannot be broken. And then you got John 4, 24, that Jesus was talking to the woman at the well of Samaria, and he said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Well, if, if God is a spirit, and Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, uh, talks to us about us being created in the image of God, so then we are spirit being. 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, He that's... Um, he that's joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So when you get born again, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, uh, old things have passed away and all things have become new. Well, your body didn't pass away and all things become new. Your mind didn't pass away either and all things become new. Um, it was your spirit, man. Your spirit was recreated in the very image and likeness of God, and the life and nature of God flows through your spirit, man just like sap flows through a tree. 
And so we're, we're not in the animal class. We're in the God class. And we are like God. He was created, we were created like him in his image. Uh, as many as received him, for uh, St. John 1, 12 says, as many as received him, to them gave you the power. Actually, that word is in the Greek should have been translated authority, the privilege or the right to become the sons of God. And so we are like him, and we must see ourselves that way. So I want to I start now in Ephesians 4.11. And uh, Jesus said, well, let me, speaking of Jesus, uh, when he led captivity, captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, and it says in verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets. These are the gifts, uh, some of the gifts. There's other gifts he gave, but... He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So he gave the fivefold ministry gifts. Uh, some, some ministers will call that the Doma gifts, and they are. <laughs> it's just a little bit of Greek in there, but it's, a, it's the Doma gifts. These are, these are not just layman gifts. These are people who God has anointed for a purpose, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And the purpose for which he gave them is, is uh, spoken of in verses 12, 13, and 14. He says, for, this is verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. Now, I'm going to stop right there for just a second. I want to say that that word's translated elsewhere as the equipping of the saints. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, um, perfecting is included in that. But it's the equipping or maybe even you might say the training. And Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go and his old he won't depart from it. And so here God has given the fivefold ministry gifts to train us or equip us or perfect us. So he says in the King James, for the perfecting of the saints, comma, for the work of the ministry, comma, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now that's King James. I want you to know, and I'm not trying to break things down too terribly bad, but, and if you don't want to receive this, just don't worry about it. But uh, where it says the perfecting of the saints, comma, that comma was added by the translators and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, uh, he wants us to be built up and, and edified, to be fully charged, if you will. But notice this. In the Greek, there's two things instead of three. It's for the equipping of the saints for the work of service and to build up the body of Christ. Now, if you just read that over and meditate on it a little bit, you'll see that the purpose of the fivefold ministry gifts is to train or equip the saints to do the works that Jesus did. In John 14, 12, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. That means the same thing as if we were in court and we put our hand on the Bible and said, I, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. So Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So Jesus wants us to do the works that he did. And again, in uh, Romans eight twenty nine, uh, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now let's keep reading here in Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That, that is the exact full knowledge, that word in the Greek, 
means maturity. It means that we have, uh, we're full grown. So he just simply means uh, he doesn't want an acorn to stay an acorn. He wants it to become an oak tree. He wants a baby to grow and become a son, not just a male, but uh, a young man and then a full mature man. So verse 13 again in the King James, Ephesians 4.13, till or until, as we'd say today, we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants us to be like Jesus. Now, I think you already agree with me, but when I continue to tell you more of what's in this chapter, you're going to see that this is just a phenomenal thing. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no children. In other words, don't be children anymore. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, verse 15 says, may grow up unto him in all things which is the head, even Christ. And verse 16 says, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the if, uh, effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. We've got to take a break here in just a second, so I just want to say this. If you'll find your place in the body of Christ, just put your hand to whatever is available to you. It will help you to begin to mature and grow in love into the family of God. And that's how maturity comes. You do better in the family than trying to struggle along on your own. You're listening to Ask the Preacher. And we'll be right back right after these words. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believers Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Welcome back. This is Wayne Freed. I'm standing in for... Jonathan Freed, my son, and also George Locke. So um, appreciate you tuning in. I have been speaking concerning your vision. You need to have a purpose. You need to have a goal. You know, it's kind of like these holidays where we're eating. Every time you turn around, there's fellowship and food, and <clears throat> a lot of people are putting on a lot of weight. But I know that when a person has a goal, like if you were a bodybuilder, a little different than a weightlifter, but a bodybuilder is trying to build their body in certain areas so they'll look good and so forth. So if you're doing that and someone says, hey, it's the holidays, let's have uh, an extra piece of pie, you say, no, I had one, it was good, but that's enough because you have a goal. So there's discipline. You, you, you need to have discipline in order to love yourself. Uh, and we, we usually love other people who have discipline in their life. One translation of love is, uh, honor and respect. So we, we need to have um, that discipline, and we have it when we have a vision, because because we have a vision or a goal or a purpose, a direction to follow, uh, we, we cast off areas of temptation and keep focused. You know, there's a scripture in Matthew 6.22 that says the... The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, now some places say uh, focus. I like that word. If your eye is focused, 
if your eye is single, you're not divided. You know, I was told years ago that when Peter was walking on the water and Jesus said, well, I should have said Jesus was walking on the water. And Peter said, Lord, if it be thee, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, come. So now it's one thing for Jesus to walk on the water, but now Peter's walking on the water. That's phenomenal. If he can do it, we can do it. So anyway, he was walking to Jesus and it says he began to notice the wind was was the waves were raging, it was storming and stuff, and uh, his eyes in the Greek was distorted. That that's what I was told. I don't know enough Greek to prove that, but it was like double vision. Uh, they say the best way to get a person off their vision is to give him another one, double vision, and then he doesn't know which way to go. It's divided. But in in uh, Matthew six twenty two, Jesus said, "The light of the body is the eye. If thine eye be single." The whole body shall be full of light. But if the nigh be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. And then he goes on to say, If therefore the light that's in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Wow. If the light that's in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And then over in Luke, uh, Jesus is speaking the same thing. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 34, it says, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, the whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. And then he says, take heed therefore that the light which is in thee be not darkness. Boy, that's, that's quite a statement. If you have light, you're not walking in. You know, I've heard, then, then it's more condemnation to you, um, more judgment. I, I know people have said, they come down to the altar and they want a double anointing. They want more anointing and all. But they're not walking in the anointing they already have. You know, in Luke 12, 48, uh, it, it, it says, Unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And of whom men have committed uh, much, uh, of him sh- shall they ask the more. In other words, if you have more ability than some people, God's requiring more from you. Everybody's not that we're all created equal at the foot of the cross, so to speak. But some people can sing and others can't. Some people can talk and others do not have the gift of gab. Some people have the ability. I had an associate pastor, Hal Stinson. He could do more in fixing an automobile over the telephone, just asking you questions. What about this? What about? He asked me one time, "What what color is the fire that jumps in the between your your um, points on the distributor in your car?" And he could he could tell me I I I told him one thing or another and he said uh, no that's not right he didn't he, we were on the phone he wasn't even there and and he said that's not right you didn't do what I told you I said yeah you said to wipe it off I I, I and I did he said no you didn't you didn't get it wiped clean go back and wipe it clean I'm telling you there are some people who are just gifted in a lot of different areas and so we have to give account of that and uh, if if you've got Maybe you say, well, I, I, I just don't have any gift. You know what? You find out what your gifting is by doing things, by serving. And if you'll begin to do that, your gift will come forth. I don't want to take uh, too much time on that because I have a lot of things to say. We're, I'm really talking about growing up in God, becoming adult sons. And he gave the apostles, and this is what we were studying of, um, just before we took the break, 
in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, where he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of service and to build up the body of Christ till we all come in the measure of, uh, in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head. And verse 16 talks about finding your place in the body. I wanted to mention here that Jesus brought out in the Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13, but particularly the first part of Matthew, uh, in all of them really, but when they ask him, when shall these things be? He's talking about the tribulation and the Antichrist and the end of the world. And when shall these things be? And the first thing he started talking about was deception. We have to get back to the Word of God. You need to be in a church where you can grow and develop. You need to have a place to work. You're not supposed to sit on the pew all the time. All of us have to find our place. And you do that by serving. So you start from where you are. Right where you are right now, that's where you start. Someone needs help with anything. You, you say, oh, I'll help you. And before you know it, you're in business. You are involved and growing. Walk in all the light we have and we'll become mature. So when we do what we know is right and avoid what we know is wrong, we will grow. Now, let me say that again. Do what you know is right. When they started wearing those little bracelets that said, what would Jesus do? I thought that was the greatest thing. Maybe you don't know everything about what Jesus would do. But most of us know enough to know that he wouldn't be doing what you're thinking about doing. <laughs> That's kind of a joke, but it's not in another sense. When it crosses the grain of what Jesus would do, don't do it. Do what you know is right and avoid what you know is wrong and your heart won't condemn you. You'll have confidence towards God. First John 2, ooh, let's see, First John 3, 20, 21, 22. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God and whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Well, you're listening to Ask the Preacher. This is Wayne Freed, former pastor of Believer's Fellowship, Word of Faith Church. Love to have you come and visit us. We're on Socrum Loop Road. And I'm going to take a break right now, and we'll be right back in just a few minutes with Ask the Preacher. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher, a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believer's Fellowship, Word of Faith Church. Welcome back. This is Wayne Freed. Glad to be with you today. We have been talking about Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish or they cast off restraint. When there's no vision, we don't discipline ourselves. And so God wants us. This Our vision should be God's vision. What is God's will for your life? Well, he wants you to be like Jesus. And we found that in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I've gone over that a couple of times now. And um, I just want to focus mostly on Ephesians 4, 14. That says, 
that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You know, I don't know how many times I've read that. I've been a Christian for over 54 years, and honestly, I've read that hundreds of times. And But about, I don't know, maybe two years ago, I was reading that, and it hit me, and I saw things like I'd never seen before. But I thought, these people on purpose are lying in wait to deceive us? Who could these people be? You think it's the bartender? Do, do, you know, do you think it's that the, the lady that runs the brothel? I mean, who who would these people be? Well, since I don't go to the bars or the brothels, I don't think he's talking about that. I think he's talking about the church, don't you? There are people in ministry who purposely desire to deceive you. Now, that just blew me away. I know First John five nineteen says the whole world lies in wickedness, and I knew that too. But I didn't know it like I know it now. I began to search into some things, and I found out that there's a medical mafia. It's a, it's a mafia that runs through the medical profession. They don't want you well. They want you hooked buying medicine on a regular basis. And, 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 and then there's everything else that goes with all this about deception in every walk of life, even the education, taking large amounts of money and teaching you ungodly things, not the truth. So anyway... I just want you to know that this just blew me away, and I want you to know that God's will for your life is that you be like Jesus to grow up to be adult sons. And uh, we need to walk in the light that we have. Uh, I was just last segment talking about Matthew 6, and 23, and also Luke eleven thirty four and 35, which both say if the eye is single, then your whole body will be full of light. And if it's evil then or, or sickly or weak, you see, your whole body will be full of darkness. And take heed that the light that's in thee be not darkness. And therefore, if the light that's in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? If you're not doing what you know is right, then your own heart will condemn you and your faith won't work. Now, let me, let me give you an example. Christians have the, about, about the same problem as sinners do because most Christians, in a general sense, are just kind of like religious people. Um, they, they don't necessarily have a real relationship with God. They should, they could. But one way to find out is, see, if you, if you have the word. Jesus said, you know, a tree by its fruit. Matthew 7, 16 and seven twenty. 20. Uh, you know, a tree by its fruit. Are you walking in the supernatural? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God, supernaturally. He said, Jesus said in Acts 1, 8, you'll receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you'll be witnesses. That word in the Greek is the same word translated as martyr, one who dies for a cause. When you get the Holy Ghost, you die. He lives. Did you know that the sixth chapter of Romans, verses 1 through 7, is talking about water baptism? If you truly are water baptized, I'm not just talking about getting wet. I'm talking about if, he, if being planted together in the likeness of his death. Then it says you'll be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that the old man's crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth you should not serve sin, for he that's dead is freed from sin. There is a whole nother world. It's a whole nother world. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The works that he did, you can do also. Did you know that Jesus didn't heal anybody until he was filled with the Holy Spirit? When he was 12 years old, talking to the people in the temple, the uh, the religious leaders and stuff, they were dumbfounded over his wisdom, but that came because of his purity. You, you, you know, 
Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. With power. With power. You can have that power. Acts 1.8 says you can after you receive the Holy Ghost. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing. Healing's good. Don't, tell, don't let the devil tell you healing's out there as a teacher of the church. Healing's not out there to teach you something. The Bible, the healing, the healing of, of did I say healing? Uh, sickness isn't out there to teach you something. Healing is. You're supposed to do what Jesus would do when someone's sick, or when you're sick, you can just walk in the light of God's word and rise above it. Acts 10, 38 again. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The people Jesus healed were oppressed of the devil. They weren't oppressed of God. John 10, 10 says that, that Jesus was speaking. He said, the thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant, more abundantly, super abundantly, the Greek says. God wants you to be full of life. If we knew who we were in Christ and we walked in the light of that, Satan couldn't touch us. So I want to bring us over to Galatians 3.13. You know, Jesus died on the cross in our place. He took our place. He became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Jesus became sin so that we could become righteous. Jesus became sick so that we could become healed. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Matthew 8.17 and 1 Peter 2.24 all say that. 1 Peter 2.24 says, uh, Oh, my. It says we were, by his stripes, we were healed. I'll just leave it with that because I need to move on. And the third thing is poverty. Did you know that Jesus became poor so we could be rich? <laughs> I know you didn't. Most people didn't. I didn't. I was so amazed one day when one of my young men, one of the guys that I had trained in ministry, preached that, and I heard him say it, and it just, it just knocked my socks off. It's, it's 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. Jesus became sin so we could become righteous. He became sick so we could become well. And he became poor so we could become rich. That kind of matches 3 John verse 2, which says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, I want to focus on Galatians 3.13, which says Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, now this, is, this is the most amazing thing. There are three things. The curse of the law is threefold. Poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. And you'll find that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Galatians 3.13 says Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. If you will believe God's word, you can be saved, healed, and prosperous. 
God has already redeemed us. It's, it's, it hath, Christ hath, past tense, redeemed us from the curse of the law. He paid the price for you and me. Now, this is a marvelous thing. If you learn how to do if you can see this in the word, that this belongs to you. you, you it is his will that you be redeemed from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. And if you know it's his will, and his word is his will, so when you find scriptures that promise you these things, you can stand your ground and claim them. You're not really claiming them uh, as dealing with God so much as you're claiming them against the devil. You have to learn what your rights and privileges are. Jesus was, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Is God with you? Have you received the power of the Holy Spirit according to Acts 1-8? You receive um, uh, power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you? The Holy Spirit will give you power to be a minister. I don't mean in the fivefold necessarily. Sometimes you would be if you were called into the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, or ministry, the domain gifts. But if you have the Holy Spirit, you have God on the inside. Now, you can have him in a measure just being saved. But Jesus made it plain. In Acts 1-8, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Jesus did many miracles, but every one of them he did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Did you know in John 16-7, he says, uh, I got to go. I'm going to leave. And they, the disciples were heartbroken. They said, oh, don't, don't leave us. He said, oh, it's important that I go. It's, it's, uh, it's to your advantage that I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. But if I go, I'll send him unto you. Jesus said, you're better off to be without me and to have the Holy Spirit than to have me with you, walking, talking, sitting with you, answering your questions, being with you. The Holy Spirit will come and live inside you. He'll think through your mind and speak through your lips. He'll help you know where you've been and where you're at and where you're going. The Holy Spirit will change your life forever for good. So we need to know that it is God's will that we be saved and, and, and healed and set free in every way. prospers. Sickness uh, is a curse. Uh, poverty is bondage. And if you haven't been born again, or if you have been born again and are not walking in the light of it, then the devil will eat your lunch and pop the bag. We can rise above the circumstances of life. You don't have to. Well, I know there's exceptions to this, but we can put an end to most divorces. We can learn how to love our spouse in the most horrible situations. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 7, Why do you not rather suffer the wrong? We can overcome evil with love. This is Wayne Freed. I'm going to take a little break here, and Lord willing, we'll be right back right after these words. You're listening to Ask the Preacher, a question and answer talk show with Pastor Wayne Freed of Believers Fellowship Word of Faith Church. Hello, this is Wayne Freed. Good to be back with you. I want to talk to you a little bit more now about growing up in Jesus. Uh, we were talking in the beginning. I titled it basically um, uh, Growing Up to Be Adult Sons and knowing, having a vision to do that. He doesn't want us just to be babies. I tell you, there's so many Christians today that think when you get saved, that's the end of it. Uh, but that's just not the case at all. God didn't make acorns to be acorns. He made acorns to become oak trees. And so when you get born, he intended you to grow up. 
And so that's, that's what the Word will help you do if you walk in the light of God's Word. You know, um, in, in the Pentecostal movement, uh, and then when the charismatic movement came along, they, they helped uh, people to realize that God not only heals, but and not only heals through the gifts of the Spirit. This, there's the dilemma here. There's a lot of Christians in the full gospel movement that believe that God heals, but they don't know anything about faith. They don't know anything about laying hold of Zoe, the life of God. Um, I, I want you to know that God did not put the gifts of the Spirit in the church for the church to heal itself. The gifts of the Spirit are to bless the weak and the young and the ignorant, not just to bless ourselves. I'm not saying we can't be first partakers of the fruit, okay? So there'll be times the gifts of the Spirit will just bless us and be so good, but you only keep what you keep by your own faith. There's a lot of Christians that'll tell you that they were healed but they lost it. And the Bible teaches, especially in the first, uh, what, the second and the third chapter, particularly second, second and third chapter of Revelation, to hold fast that which you have, that no man take your crown. And it talks about holding fast what, what you already have uh, over and over in that. Uh, gifts of the Spirit are not for the, for the average Christian. We're, we're not to, to live by the gifts of the Spirit. We're to live by faith. There are four places, think of it, four places that tell us that the just shall live by faith. You find it in Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.38, all saying the just shall live by faith. We're supposed to live every day by the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's not a hard, fast rule or a law, but to walk by the word and not by the senses. When we walk by faith, one preacher said you'll be arrested for, for walking outside of the law uh, because we're, we, we are, we're not walking in a hard, fast rule. We do keep the law. We do. Romans 13, 8, 9, 10 tells us these things, but it's so clear that we walk by the word and not by what we see, hear, touch, taste, or smell. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that. We walk by faith and not by sight. Well, where do you get faith? You get faith by the word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So you could say we walk by the word of faith. That's what Paul said in um, Romans 10, 8. We walk um, uh, the word of faith, which we preach. And so we walk by the word of faith. Or you could say we walk by the word. I'm just trying to shorten it a little bit to make it real clear and simple. We walk by the word and not by the senses, not by sight, it says in the King James. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by the word of faith and not by sight. We walk by the word and not by sight. We work, walk by the word and not by seeing, hearing, touch, taste, or smell. We walk by the word and not by the senses. If the word says it, it's so. Romans 3, 3, and 4 says, Let God be true and every man a liar that thou mayest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. We walk by the word. You know, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please God. And faith only comes by the rhema. Uh, Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing. Did you know faith doesn't come by having heard? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing. Fat cometh by eating and eating. Okay, <laughs> if you get my drift. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. In other words, the word there 
in the Greek is rhema, not logos, not the general word of God, but a, sp a specific word for a specific person in a specific situation. You meditate on it. According to Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not, in modern day vernacular, you'd say the Bible, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. You make your own way prosperous with God's help, of course. Holy Spirit's our helper, our guide, and our teacher. But you are involved. You don't just wait until the, the symptoms leave before you believe you're healed. According to Mark eleven twenty four, it says, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, if you don't get it when you first pray, let me take you through a little scenario. You've got Matthew 7, 7 and 8. It says, Ask and it'll be given you. Jesus said this, Ask and it'll be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock, and it'll be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and he that knocketh, it will be opened unto you. Everyone. So what's this in the church world we hear about? Well, I prayed about it, but uh, it must not have been God's will. Or, well, if you don't have a scripture for it, how do you know that? You see, you need to be in church. You need to be in a church because the Bible's a thick book. There's so much to learn. That's why God put us in families, so that we can learn how to brush our teeth and comb our hair and put on our shoes and socks. It, it's a, it's, it takes a family, and you just can't get it all at one time. I have so much I want to say to you. Um, listen, <laughs> I got one minute. Uh, God wants a relationship with you, and, and, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. So if you're going to have a pleasing relationship with God, you are definitely going to have to know his word. Psalm 119, 105 says that uh, the, the entrance of his word gives light. You want more light? You want more truth? You want more faith? Spend time in the word. Well, until next time, you're listening to Ask the Preacher. I want to invite you to come to Believer's Fellowship Word of Faith Church in North Lakeland. We'd love to have you. God bless you. Have a great Christmas. Great holiday. Tell people about Jesus and pass out tracks. <laughs>